Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active, that it divides us to the very centre of its being. And we pray that by your spirit, you may cause your word to work in that way amongst us this morning, that we might be transformed into the image of Jesus and share his purposes for your world. Amen. Years ago, before I went into ministry, uh, I worked as an accountant. And one of our regular jobs, every Tuesday afternoon, our boss would get us into his office, me and another, another friend, and he would, help, he would get us to help him fill out his Tuesday night lotto draw. <laughs> it was regular as clockwork. He never missed. And in the three years I worked there, I reckon he poured thousands of dollars into the government coffers. And in all that time, I only remember him winning once, a couple of hundred dollars. And I used to ask him, I said, why do you do it? I mean, you're an accountant. <laughs> you can work out the numbers. You're not going to win here. And his reply every time to me was this. He said, yes, Mark, but I might just get the big one and then I'll be free. And you know, I get it. I get it. That longing for freedom. To do what you want whenever you want. To be free of the, of the shackles of work. To never have to worry again where the next dollar is coming from. To be free. That's what he longed for. And as you read through this letter to the Corinthian Christians, they loved their freedom as well. It was a hot topic for them. They were listening to the latest Christian guru, guru podcast, not that they had podcast, podcasts in those days, but the local teacher who came through. They were reading the latest books on freedom and they put what they learned into practice. You see, their favourite catchphrase was, everything is permissible to me. Everything is permissible to me. And you see, what they'd done is they'd taken what Paul had taught them as he planted the church there, everything that he'd taught them about their freedom in Christ, those great glorious truths of the gospel, that Christ has set us free from sin and from death and from judgment, and they had taken that and they had interpreted it to mean that Jesus sets me free to do whatever I like, whenever I like. To live however they liked, without any thought about the people around them. You see, they thought Christian freedom was a lotto freedom. Indeed, they thought they had a better understanding of it than the Apostle Paul. And even Jesus, I suspect. <laughs> For the first eight chapters of his letter, Paul spends his time trying to correct all the false understanding, all of the ungodliness and the pure selfish living that came out of that understanding of freedom. And he gets to chapter 9 and there's almost this sense of his frustration and anger over where they have gone and where false teachers have brought them. 
and it just pours out and he turns the spotlight on himself and he says at the very beginning of the chapter, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Haven't I seen Jesus our Lord? Are you not my workmanship in the Lord? In other words, do you really think that you are the only ones who understand freedom? And what it means to be set free by Jesus. Do you think I don't get it? And he turns his, the spotlight on himself as a preacher of the gospel and he says to them, let me show you what true Christian freedom means. Which is really helpful for us, isn't it? that we might know what our freedom in Christ should look like in life and in ministry. And the heart of what he's going to say through this chapter is summed up in verse 19. If you want a memory verse, this is the one where he says to them, for though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. That's where he wants them to go. True Christian freedom, you see, is freedom not to serve myself and my needs and indulge all my own fantasies and desires, the lotto freedom of the Corinthian Christians. No, True freedom is the freedom to give ourselves in service to others and to serve them in the most important way, which is seeking to win them for Christ, to bring them into the freedom that we know, freedom from sin and freedom from judgment, freedom from death. You see, that's how Jesus exercised his freedom he took on the nature of a servant and gave his life for us. So as Paul says in his next letter to the Corinthians, for, for our sake, he made him who knew no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, how did Jesus use his freedom? He gave it up so that we might have life. And so through the rest of this chapter, Paul shows us what that will look like in practice. There's the principle. Use your freedom to serve others, to bring them to Christ. What does that look like in practice? Well, firstly, Paul says, it meant that he preached the gospel to these Corinthian Christians free of charge. Even though he had the right to ask for financial support from them, he didn't. He didn't make use of that right. And so he goes on and says, verse 3, this is my defence to those who would examine me. Do we not have the right to eat and drink? Do we not have the right to take along a believing wife as do the other apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Kephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working for a living? And on into verse 11, 
He goes on and says, if we've sown spiritual things among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share this rightful claim on you, do we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right, but we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Now, do you hear Paul's principle there? It was to offer the gospel free of charge to those he preached to, even though he had a right to be supported by them. He actually spends time through the first half of this chapter making it very clear to them that he did have that right. And so he quotes Old Testament precedents. He quotes the practice of the, apostle, of the other apostles, even, even Jesus' own brothers. And he also uses just pure common sense. You know, who plants a vineyard without eating any of its fruit? He wants them to understand that he had the right to their support. And he did it so that they'll understand why he gave it up. Why he gave it up. You see, he doesn't want to accept any support from them so that money will not get in the way of the preaching of the gospel to them. We endure anything, he says, rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. And that is servant-hearted Christian freedom at work. Because his greatest desire is to see people saved and Jesus glorified. That's his longing. And of course it begs the question of us, doesn't it? As we live here in modern day Australia, modern day Brisbane, do we share that same desire? And what does it look like in our lives to sacrifice our freedom for the sake of others? Now, Paul's going to talk about that in the second half of the chapter, and we're going to come to it in a minute. But before we do, let me come back to money. For Paul makes it clear that that's his principle. He doesn't want money to get in the way of the preaching of the gospel, that it didn't mean that he wasn't ready to accept financial support from other Christians and other churches. And so if you read... Uh, his letter to the Philippian Christians in chapter 4, he thanks them for their financial support of him. Again and again, they had sent money to him so he could get on with preaching the gospel. And in actual fact, if you read Acts chapter 18, you'll find that when he was in Corinth, for the first part of his ministry, he worked as a leather worker in order to fund his ministry. And then Timothy... And Silas arrived and he suddenly stops work and we're told he gave himself full time to the preaching of the gospel. Why did he do that? Well, they had come from Philippi with money to enable him to give himself to the preaching of the gospel. Yeah, he recognised the need for financial support and he was glad to accept it, but not from the people he was preaching to. Not if it would hinder the work of the gospel. For us at CMS, we're committed to sending the gospel free of charge 
to the people that we send our missionaries to. And in many ways, you share that commitment, your support of Daniel as he does the apprenticeship through Mentac, frees him up to not only learn how to speak the gospel and how to build relationships with people from a Muslim background, it gives him the freedom to form those relationships, to not be asking for financial support from any of them in any way, but to freely build relationships and explain the gospel with them. It gives him the opportunity to learn not only the importance of reaching Muslim people for Christ, but to grow the skills and confidence in doing that. And you enable Daniel to do that by your support of him. You see, Christian freedom, as we exercise it here, will be ready to give sacrificially to fund people like Daniel, to fund your other mission workers so that they can freely proclaim the gospel to those who you've sent them to. And you know, Christian freedom will also mean funding the ministry here at Harford Street as you seek to reach out to the people of your community. Christian freedom will mean giving yourselves freely to that work here as well. And so that's what Paul turns to next as he helps us understand what it looks like to give ourselves to reaching people, often from very different cultures to ourselves. And so in verse 20, he goes on and he says this, To the Jew I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. And I do it for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. You see, if we want people to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ, we, we need to step across the many barriers that divide us as people and build relationships with them. And for Paul, that meant that when he was relating to Jewish people, he would act as a Jew even though in Christ he had been set free from that, that, that slavery to the law. When he was speaking to non-Jewish people, to Gentile people, he'd strip off his Jewish practices so that his Jewishness might not prevent them from hearing the gospel. Now, did you notice that he said... The way he says is he's saying, it doesn't mean I, I give up my personal godliness. It doesn't mean I give up my understanding of the gospel of Jesus. No, he's under the law of Christ. But he's ready to strip off the outward trappings of his culture in order to reach Jews 
and Gentiles. Now, for CMS missionaries, that means going long-term. It's why we do send them long-term in that way, so that they can understand the culture of the people they go to and speak in terms that they will understand and live in ways that will build relationships. And it's hard. It's costly. As you read the prayer letters of your mission workers who are working in cross-cultural settings, it actually doesn't take too long in reading it to realise that there are tears on those pages as well in the struggle to make Jesus known where they are. But it's not just something that missionaries face, is it? It's something for us as well. It's a challenge to us all as we read Paul's words here. To share Paul's heart to see people saved, because that's why he acted in that way. He's longing to see people come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you will know how hard it is to do that, won't you? And how easily we stop doing it because it is just plain hard. It's hard for us to speak. The fear of upsetting and breaking relationships is there all the time, isn't it? Of rejection and embarrassment. Perhaps these words strike you as they struck me when I first read them in a book about evangelism where the author said, Christians and non-Christians have something in common. We're both uptight about evangelism. (laughs) As Christians, we think we must be a little obnoxious in order to be good evangelists. There's a part of us that secretly feels that evangelism is something you wouldn't do to your dog, let alone your friends. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? We're scared of it. So why should we bother? Well, for exactly the same reason that Paul bothered. Because the only way people are going to be saved The only way they're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ is if we sacrifice our freedom and tell them and live it out openly before them. That we reach across the divide and dare to live and speak for Jesus. Can I ask you, friends, as I constantly have to ask myself, how are you going with that? How are you going with that? How are our unbelieving friends and workmates and neighbours on our hearts day by day so that we're praying for them? So we're praying that God might give us an opportunity to show them the love of Christ and to speak that love to them. And if it's slipped off our radar, what are we going to do to get it back on? What are we going to do to get it back on? That would be a great question to be asking each other during morning tea, wouldn't it? There is no shame in this. It's hard for all of us. It was hard for Paul. (laughs) And so to openly discuss with one another and say, I find this really hard. What do you do? 
Can you encourage me to keep on praying? Uh, on the table where you'll find some CMS resources, you'll also find this book, The Word One to One. You may have heard of it before, but it's a great evangelistic tool. If you're worried about what can I say, well, the great thing about this book is you can say to someone, look, would you like to actually read just one chapter of the Bible with me? And the great thing about it is all the words of the chapter are there and then everything you need to say is there as well. You don't even have to actually think that hard. (laughs) Just read the book beforehand and ask someone, would you actually like to read the story of Jesus, just the beginning of the story of Jesus? Give it in this book, you have a copy, you just sit down over a coffee and you read it together. It's really worth asking, isn't it? How do we get them on our radar? The next question, of course, is once we get them on our radar, how do we reach them with the gospel? This is one way of doing it. But, of course, it does mean entering their world. It does mean becoming all things to all people by all means so that we might save some. And can I say to those of you who lead home groups, who lead Bible study groups, wouldn't it be a good thing if on a regular basis, maybe even once a month, we spent time praying for our unbelieving friends together? And we spent some time talking very practically about how we want to connect with them and praying for that together, being ready to be vulnerable and share how we're going, both our joys and our sorrows, because there will be joys and there will be sorrows. That'd be a great thing to do, wouldn't it? Let me encourage you to think about doing it. I have to ask myself, why is it that we so rarely do something like that? It's not rocket science. But you see, it will only come when we, like Paul, when we, like Jesus, are ready to give up our own rights for the freedom of the life that we live to serve others. And so Paul actually finishes this chapter with a challenge. And again, he talks about his own life. He says, verse 24... Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we an imperishable. So I don't run aimlessly. I don't box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. And you see, he's talking to these Corinthian Christians and he's saying to them, look, you're approaching your lives like a Sunday scroll, stroll, wandering aimlessly along, indulging your own desires, ignoring the needs and the terrible lostness of the people around you. And you know, as modern-day Australians, I think we're all too much the same. We live in such an easy and well-off country. Paul and our Lord Jesus call us to a purposeful, disciplined, costly service of him and his gospel. Because you see, true freedom is never found by the dropping of a lotto ball. 
or by our superannuation coming in. True freedom is only found in taking up our cross daily and following Jesus so that we might say with Paul, although I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Amen.